Hey, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina. Here we're going to talk about all things OCD. If you've been enjoying this podcast so far, and if you'd like to work together, come check out my monthly membership called Mastering OCD and join a group of other people like yourself. You can go to www.coreresults.com forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership. And see you in there. Hi, Dr. Maza, and welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So you are an incredible colleague of mine in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm super excited that you're here with me today. Um, One of the things I know is that you have a book out, also um, Acceptance Commitment Therapy for OCD. So I thought, who better to ask um, questions about sticky thoughts? (laughs) Right? So... Um, I think some things that I wanted to ask you, because this is something that I see quite often and people, um, have questions or get stuck on is, you know, the whole concept, we don't have to believe everything we think, but with OCD brains, some thoughts get really stuck. They're obsessive, they're repetitive, they're intrusive. Um, and there's this whole kind of cognitive process that goes along with that, And so I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what are some common things that maybe you've seen, like how people maybe overly attached to their thoughts or maybe what kind of things they end up telling themselves or rationalizing um, in terms of what what really um, continues that cycle? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really great question and something I commonly work on with folks. And so, I mean, I just want to start out by saying that it's fairly normal for us to get stuck on thoughts. Like it's, it's kind of when thoughts first come into our mind, it's just initially there. We're initially bought into them. We initially believe them. Um, And so I think actually the first step is sort of slowing down and really notice what is the thought and is focusing on that thought helpful. Right. Um, And the reason why that might be important is because Um, the more we focus on our thoughts, the more we buy them and believe them, the more control they have over what we do and how we live. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm able to sort of slow down and notice what my mind is saying right now, I can then sort of get curious about that and say like, Hmm, is, is, is this a thought that I want to continue to focus on? Will it be helpful in terms of being present in my life in terms of, helping me in my relationships uh, in terms of me getting my work done. And if it will, great. Maybe that's a thought I do want to buy and believe and and get stuck on. Um, But if this is a thought that's going to sort of take me into a rabbit hole and maybe pull me further away from being present and doing what really matters to me, then maybe that's when I want to learn how to let it go. Yeah. When you say rabbit hole, because I think I, well, I know, I know what that means, but just to make sure that, you know, whoever's listening to this, you know, they understand what that means. We're talking about probably some of that compulsive analysis or that incessant questioning, like what the thought means. What does it mean about me? Is it true? Or what if this happens in the future? Oh my gosh, I got to do so. I have to do something about it. I have to figure it out. I have to get to the bottom of this. Exactly. Exactly. Right. There's that. Sometimes I call it like a mental game of ping pong. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the thought uh, right or wrong? Is it a real thought? Is it an OCD thought? And like you said, um, 
I have to figure it out. Why am I having this thought? So there's a whole kind of mental process processes that happen sometimes when these thoughts come in. And um, oftentimes the more that we're in here, the less present we are, mm-hmm. the, less, the less focused we are on, on living. And so when someone's sort of caught up on the thoughts, it can very much look like they're not present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know if this happened to you, but I know for myself, like sometimes I'll be home with my husband and when I'm stressed out, you know, he'll say, where are you right now? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> the same experience, right? Is when we're in here, we're not fully present. We're not usually connected to the people around us, to nature, to sort of what's happening um, in our environment. And I, I actually often think that a secondary symptom of that is then feeling disconnected and lonely. Yeah, it's funny you even said that because I actually remembered this as years ago, but I had a friend who um, would notice this before even I realized what was going on. But of course, when you look back, hindsight is twenty twenty. You you totally get it all. But in the moment, I didn't. But we, she would call it Timbuktu. She goes, oh my God, did you go to Timbuktu again? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm there because I would completely disconnect. And yeah. so we just like, it was a funny, cute way of naming it but gave a immediate reference point. And so every time I'd be in, you know, my Timbuktu is what we called it. Then, you know, she kind of pointed it out and, um, and then I'd have to really work to get out of my head and come back to being in the moment. Again, at the time, I didn't know what it was that was happening because, you know, for most people you can get in your head, but then if somebody kind of points it out, you can come back and move on and, kind of reconnect. And a lot of times with OCD, also, if you don't quite understand that that can be an element of OCD experience, um, it can be really hard to come back. It can be really hard to recognize that, you know, not thoughts, not all thoughts are created equal or that, you know, not all thinking that you're doing is actual thinking that sometimes it's actually compulsive. Um, And so, you know, differentiating between those, those different features is, is such a key component it can be super, it can be super challenging. And I think um, some of the ways in which I try and help people through that is one by kind of um, awareness, right? So I often recommend having some kind of mindfulness practice. Really, that's the foundation for all of this. We need to be aware that we're in our mind in order to then choose whether or not we want to do something different. Right. And then, you know, the second part is just being curious about it. Is this, is this what I'm doing right now is focusing on this is ruminating is mental checking. Like, is this, is this going to help me in the long term? Is this going to help me be present in my life? Is this going to help me? And if it's not, then the next option could be to practice something like a cognitive diffusion exercise, um, and I have like a whole chapter on this actually in the ACT workbook because there's many different ways of practicing cognitive diffusion. But in a few words, what it means is basically learning how to take our thoughts not so seriously. Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard because mm-hmm. when, you know, when these thoughts come up, especially for folks with OCD, it can be really scary and really, really painful. Yeah. And so oh. practice these exercises in a really gentle way and in different ways um, and then kind of demonstrate 
how it yeah and you know even as you're saying that so i i, I already know 100 percent. anybody listening is going to go oh cognitive diffusion what could be an example would you mind maybe giving us like one example of what cognitive diffusion might sound like or be like or one tip one strategy absolutely um is it okay if we do an experiential exercise <laughs> Ooh, okay on the spot i love it yes <laughs> Um, so maybe we can just kind of sit back and, uh, close your eyes or gaze at something in front of you and perhaps just thinking about a thought that kind of nags you. Um, it could be like a, a thought like I'm stupid or I should have been better. Um, you don't need to pick the most overwhelming thought for this exercise. Something that's perhaps a little uncomfortable, but not overwhelming. Okay. I got it. Okay. And so what I'd like you to do is you're going to repeat this thought to yourself several times. I'll tell you when to stop. And I'm going to ask you to notice what it feels like as you focus on this thought. And when I say what it feels like, notice where the emotion shows up in your body. Notice how powerful the emotion is. And I'll guide you through this. Okay. So go ahead and begin by just kind of repeating the thought very slowly. So for example, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. Go ahead and repeat that to yourself and I'll tell you when to stop using your thought. Okay. Would you like me to do it out loud or to myself quietly? Yeah, it's up to you, whichever you prefer. Okay. I guess since everybody's listening, we'll do it out loud. Um, I'm going to fail. 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 What I'd like you to do right now is to just notice what emotion is showing up in your body Every emotion is linked to a physical sensation somewhere between our gut and our neck usually. And just on a scale of zero to 10, how powerful it is right now. Zero being not powerful, 10 being the most powerful. It kind of increased to like a five, I'd say. Okay. So now what I'd like you to do is a similar process, except this time you're going to add a few words in before your thought. Okay. I'm having the thought that I'm stupid, or in your case, I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. And I'd like you to go ahead and repeat that slowly until I tell you to stop. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I'm having just noticing on a scale of zero to 10, how powerful the emotion was that time. Yeah, it it definitely dropped. Okay, we're going to like what would you say? Um, like a three, two and a half, even two, two, three, somewhere in there. 
Okay. And then one more time. This time we're going to even add, add more in front. So I notice I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. Okay. I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. Yeah, I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm going to fail. And then once again, on a scale of zero to 10, how powerful was this experience? Yeah, like totally just went further away. And um, yeah, like a one maybe. Okay. So go ahead and just bring your awareness back, Christina. So that's... um, that demonstration right there is one, one example. It's just one way of sort of practicing cognitive fusion. And if you notice like the step one is like, I am stupid. I am going to fail. Right. We're believing and buying what the mind is saying. The second step, we sort of remove ourselves just a little bit by saying, Oh, I'm having a thought that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third step where I'm noticing the thought that, And so this sort of helps us be a bit more step back from the thoughts to be a bit more of an observer of the thoughts rather than automatically sort of believing and buying them. And what we notice is when we are able to sort of step back and notice the thought as a thought, it frees us up to then choose, okay, what would I like to do next? Do I want to continue focusing on the thought? Do I want to, you know, um, refocus on, you know, my meeting or, you know, what my uh, partner is saying to me or my run? Like, what is it I want to focus on? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, again, this is what I do also with in terms of work, but like, you know, experiencing it myself again, just remembering that and feeling it right. Initially, like there was an immediate feeling of sadness and chest tightening and just like everything just getting a little bit more intensive. And the more I was repeating it, the more I was feeling like everything is just kind of covering and, and uh, coming in. And then the first step of them having the thought that created a little enough of that space and, and a little bit, just a little bit of distance to recognize, okay, it's a thought, it's a thought. Um, and even noticing kind of where I was wanting to focus. Okay. It is a thought that I'm having. And then I'm noticing exactly right. It totally brought that observer self and like completely, I felt like a disconnect. And of course, granted, this is a time where I'm not necessarily super, um, triggered, but it is a thought that I have sometimes. I think, you know, most people are afraid of, you know, feeling and looking like a fool and, I'm I'm no exception, you know, so, um, but definitely, right, like, practicing that even now and seeing how I could bring the trigger up and then bring it down. So, I mean, absolutely, I think it's such a valuable tool. And like you said, to really practice and hone in on engaging that part of yourself that's observing the experience, observing what your brain is doing, observing the feelings that are coming up, um, no matter how intensive. And like you said earlier, this is why 
a big foundational piece is having some sort of a practice to really cultivate that skill of mindfulness and presence and being, being in the here and now. Um, yeah. The mind is such a good salesperson. Oh my gosh. Right. I'm t- I always tell people like, don't buy your own propaganda. Cause you know, <laughs> it's like such a good salesperson. And it just, it, it, I mean, it's so good at sucking us in and really wants us to believe and buy what it has to offer. Um, and once we notice that we have a choice. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was awesome. And I hope that that's going to be helpful for folks and that that people will try that strategy, but thank you so much. And, um, I just wanted to, before we, we end today, ask where can people find you if they would love to connect with you? Sure. Uh, our website is choicetherapy.net. So that's uh, one place that you can certainly find me at uh, on Twitter. Uh, it's at Marisa T Maza and on Instagram, it's choice therapy SF. And, and the name of your book, I'd love to also make sure that people know about that. Sure. It's the act workbook for OCD and you can purchase it on Amazon if you're interested. Beautiful. And I'll link all of that in the show notes too. That's great, Christina. And we also offer, um, we just started offering some support groups as well as individual therapy. So if that's something you are interested in. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Great to know. And thank you again for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Definitely. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD and get topic trainings, please join my membership, Mastering OCD. Go to www.coreresults.com forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership.